the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Welcome to the Raising the Bar podcast, where we speak with students, barristers, King's Council and judges from Gray's Inn about their journeys to the bar, with the aim of supporting students and aspiring barristers. This year, Raising the Bar recognises the anniversary of 100 years of women at the bar and shines a light on stories of impact, change and leadership in all its forms. Our guests this season will share the stories of their career at the bar and share their advice and tips from all walks of professional life, from the employed to the independent bar, from junior practice to silk, from trial advocate to inquiry lawyer, and from the bar to the bench. I'm your host for season five, Nora Nana Yakara, a student member of Gray's Inn and a Baroness Hale Scholar. I hope our conversation and guests' advice help you on your journey to the bar to explore how Gray's Inn can help you to achieve your potential. So welcome. In this episode, we're recording just after the closing date for bar scholarship applications at Gray's Inn. If you put forward an application, well done. Maybe you're waiting to find out if you've been shortlisted for interview, or maybe you've already been invited for interview, in which case, congratulations. You'll no doubt be thinking about how to put your best foot forward at the interview, so to help, I've gathered some fellow students, all of whom have gone through the process recently themselves. So, welcome, Matty. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name's Matty. I'm the recipient of an Elizabeth Ann Kernow Bar Course Scholarship and I'm also a residential scholar here at Gray's Inn. I'm currently studying the Bar Course at the University of Law in Bloomsbury. Thanks, Matty. Welcome, Chit Krishna. Can you introduce yourself, please? Hello, you can call me CK. I got the Prince of Wales Scholarship for the Bar Course and I'm also a residential scholar like Matty. And I'm doing my bar course at the City University of London. Thanks, CK. And Iona, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Iona. I am not a bar scholarship recipient, even though I've been through the interview. However, I have a BPP scholarship from a university, which is where I am currently doing the bar course. Great. Thanks very much. So I'm going to ask first then for your number one top bar scholarship tip. Can I turn to you first, please, Matty? Yes. So I'd say my number one tip is don't feel that you have to give an answer straight away. It's okay to take a few seconds to have a think about what you're going to say and your answer's likely to be better if you do that. Thanks. And CK? I would say be relaxed and treat it like a conversation. And when you go in with that mindset, you automatically help yourself in a lot of things in terms of feeling and looking confident and speaking at a pace which isn't too fast. Absolutely. Thanks. And Iona, what do you think your number one top tip would be? Uh, I agree with Matilda and CK. And specifically, I want to point out confidence, talking in a slow pace, taking your time to think over the answers and just be confident in your abilities and what you can do. I think for my part, I'd say the same. For me, it was about relaxing and trying to slow down. I have a really vivid recollection of opening the door and what felt like the longest walk from the door to the chair where the panel were. Although in reality, it must have been, what, six, seven 
paces. And by the time I sat down, I was really nervous. So I had to take a minute to try to regulate myself so that when I spoke, I didn't take off at a mile a minute. So that would be my top tip. Use that time between the door and the chair to try to steady yourself so that when you begin to speak, you're speaking in as relaxed a tone as you can, given the circumstances. All right. So the first part of the interview is the legal topic. And when you arrive at Gray's Inn, you're given some time before the interview to choose one of two topics and you're given a couple of minutes. And when you go into the interview, the idea is that you're able to argue for and against that topic. I think you get about 20 minutes. No one's probably scared you there by saying a couple. Don't worry, it's 20. <laughs> Another top tip, don't arrive late for your interview. Uh, that way you will have the full 20 minutes. <laughs> So why don't we have a chat about the legal topic and how you approached that topic? So CK. Of the two questions that were given to me, I absolutely had no idea about the second one. So for me, that way my job was a bit easier that I could quickly pick up which one I wanted to answer. And I would say definitely try and not waste a lot of time deciding what you want to do. And the other thing I would say during preparation is think about both the sides because I think you're allowed to pick which side you want to argue, but you're very likely to be questioned even from the other side once you're in that interview. Thanks. And Matty? Um, so I'll talk a little bit about how you can prepare in advance of the interview. So I would say the best thing you can do is just to keep on top of legal news as much as possible. I did this by reading the Guardian law section. I think I got the app on my phone and then you can add the law section to your homepage and just check that every day. And then Council Magazine puts all of their articles online and you can access them for free. So that's another great resource which I used. But I'd also say if you don't know that much, about either of the topics when it comes to the interview, don't panic. There's always something you can say. Just try and think about who it might affect, what the practicalities of that thing might be, and you'll always be able to come up with something to say. And just remember that this question is aimed to test your advocacy as well as your knowledge of legal topics. So as long as you can argue persuasively and say something half decent, then you'll be fine. Thank you. And Yona? The same for me from Matty and CK. I didn't know one of the two questions, so again, it was quite easy to pick and choose. I also prepared through reading journals and watching out for any news. A top tip about how to approach it is be calm. As Matty said, they do not want to test your legal knowledge. They want to test your advocacy. So even though you might not be fully aware of this topic, try and think of any way or any circumstance that it could apply and just try and argue it the best way possible. I think I'd say the same, conscious that it's about advocacy rather than your in-depth insights into a particular topic. I found trying to stick to a structure to be really helpful. So try to think of three things to say for or against the topic. And even if it is the case that you can't think of anything 
legal to say. So if you don't know that much about it from a legal point of view, I had a great tip from the careers advisor at the university I was studying at at the time. And her advice was, if you can't think of anything legal to say, try and think of something in terms of uh, an ethical argument, a moral argument, a political argument, or a financial argument. And in that way, you should be able to come up with two or three sensible things to say in a structured way without letting the topic drift about. So that would be my top tip. And I would agree with CK. It can be really tempting when you get the two topics to spend the first 10 minutes dithering about which one to pick, but really do try to resist that urge because you'll be wasting valuable preparation time. Um, Is there anything else that we'd want to say about the legal topic, do you think? Maybe just to add to what you just said, um, I think I listened to one of these podcasts and some other talks and they always said try to think of three points. I could actually only think of two. So I was slightly panicking going into my interview thinking, oh no, I can only think of two, but I got the scholarship. So if you can only think of two, that's fine. I think it's better to make two very good points rather than two good ones and a rubbish third one just because you feel that you have to do three. Definitely. That's so true. And CK's point as well about being able to argue literally the opposite of what you just said. So I had just finished speaking about the legal topic and I sat there in this moment of relief that it was over. And without looking up, the panellist in the middle, who was still writing notes, said, and now argue the opposite side. And I had to immediately flip into arguing the exact reverse of the things I had just been passionately advocating for, (laughs) which was really tricky. I totally agree with you, Nora. And a similar thing happened to me. And just one thing I would like to add is that if they do challenge you, because once I was making my points, I was challenged on something I had just said that isn't necessarily a bad thing and you shouldn't really be flustered because they're challenging you because that's one of the ways they're testing your advocacy skills and that is a part of the interview process. So just listen to what they're saying carefully and come up with a response to that. Agreed. I think it's actually more worrying if they don't ask you any questions, to be honest. So it's a good thing. It means you're doing well if they're really testing you and challenging you. Ayona, you'd agree with that? Yes. So just stay calm. Try to answer as many questions as possible. If they do not ask you any question, it might be because you did everything correct or you did everything wrong. It will show. (laughs) But yes, be calm. Everything will work out. That's great. A final tip is to try to leave each question at the end of that question. It can be so easy if you feel like you've given a poor answer to carry that with you into your next answer. But really try to approach each question as a fresh opportunity. I can see lots of nodding. Uh, Would anyone else agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree. I also think if you feel that your answer hasn't been great, but you've said what you wanted to say, just stop talking. Because I think I've definitely been guilty of trying to kind of dig myself out of a hole and I just go on and on forever. Just stop talking, move on, and hopefully you'll give a better answer to the next question. Great advice. And on that, shall we move on to our next question? So once you've finished the legal topic, what you may be asked, I know some of us were and some of us weren't, but no doubt you'll be anticipating it, is the question of why it is that you want to be a barrister. And it sounds like a really easy, simple question. And yet I know so many of us find it tricky to answer that without sounding trite. So any tips or advice about answering that question? 
my advice is to be authentic. When you want to become a barista, you know that you want to do something. So be authentic. Say what it is you want to say. It is the reason why you want to become a barrister and basically just back up every point you make. Great, thanks. And Matty, CK, what do you think? So I always approach this question by trying to tell a story. So I say what first made me think I might want to become a barrister. And for me, when in tutorial discussions at university, I found that I really quite liked arguing against the tutor and trying to (laughs) convince them of what I was saying. I would then move on to say what I've done since then to kind of find out a little bit more about the career. So whether that be mini pupillages or moots or something like that. And then I would say that as well as these things, I also know that I know what the realities of the profession are. And despite that, I still want to be a barrister. So that's how I approach it. I don't think that's the only way to answer that question, but that's what I do. I agree with Maddie. I want to elaborate on the last point, which is to show that you thought about the realities. Because when I was preparing for for it, I've been told that a lot of people, for example, say that I want to be a barrister because it's allows you to be self-employed. But when you say that, you forget that there are lots of professions which allow you to be self-employed. Why particularly a barrister? That could be one of the points. But like Matty said, you have to think it through because with self-employment also comes a lot of issues on its own. And when you thought it through, you will know both sides of the coin. There will be particular reasons why you still want to be a barrister. So So I think it is very important to show them that you've thought all of this through. You done mini pupillages, for example, or in whatever way you've thought about it and know about the realities of the profession. I think that's a really good point you made there. I think as well as answering the question of why you want to become a barrister, you also have to think why you don't want to be a solicitor or any other similar profession that you could go into. So have a think about that, because I'm sure at some point somebody might ask you why you've decided to be a barrister rather than a solicitor. So if you can show that in your answer, that's definitely a good thing. Yona, did that come up for you? Yes, I agree with everything that's been said. You need to draw the distinction between solicitor and barrister when you are answering this question because they have similar, let's say, obligations, but they're so opposite to each other. And this is something that I was asked at the interview. You need to have clear in your mind a structured answer, let's say, of why you actually want to become a barrister those ring really true for me as well, especially about being authentic and genuine. I remember I took an appointment with the careers advisor at university to practice my interview skills before the interview. And I would really recommend doing that to anybody listening. It was a great way to test some of the things I was going to say, which was just as well, because apparently my initial planned answer to the question of why you want to be a barrister was littered with cliches. And I remember her saying to me that I think I had started by saying that I had a real passion for the law and I relished the something opportunity. And she said to me words I'll never forget, which were passion for the bedroom and relish for a hot dog. And that I should maybe try and focus on actual evidence as to why it is I wanted to be a barrister, which was quite crushing advice, but ultimately really helpful. So I would agree with that. I've always been told to avoid the word passion like the plague when answering questions like this. Good advice. 
just show, don't say it. Yeah. That's what everyone told me. Is there anything else, actually, that you might suggest that listeners should definitely not say during an interview? Yes. I wanted to become a barrister from a very young age. <laughs> this is the words everyone says. Really? It was my passion from a very young age to become a I always knew I wanted to become a barrister. That's not what they want to hear. They want to see evidence of why, actually, you want to be a barrister. So true. I think being able to demonstrate everything you're saying with evidence rather than just assertion is really important. Anything else you'd recommend people steer clear of? Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> the only other advice I had was to not reference Rumpole of the Bailey or Suits or anything like that either, which presumably ties to the point about the realities of life at the bar. So we'll move on and perhaps talk next about tips that you have for letting the panel see your personality and being genuine and authentic while still being appropriate. So how much is too much personality to show and how can you do it in a way that's appropriate? I think it's really hard, to be honest. I think really the only way you can make sure you're showing personality is just to be relaxed. And the only way for me that I was able to be relaxed is to do mock interviews, make sure I was as prepared as possible, because then, you know, you're not constantly worrying about what you're going to say next. You can just be yourself and give genuine answers and you'll be able to show your personality. But I, don't, I think don't overthink it. Don't try too hard to show your personality. If you're relaxed and confident, it'll come out. Thanks. CK? Yeah, I agree with all that. And the only thing I want to add is we all have this picture of a typical barrister in mind, which could be decades old in terms of when the picture was formed or when all of that was true. So I would just say that don't let that put you off or make you think that you have to behave in a particular way or this is how barristers sound like. Because if you try and do that, you're going to sound very unnatural and you're just not going to be yourself and when you're not yourself you're clearly not going to be yourself and it's clearly going to be visible in your interview so I would say avoid that and be yourself and be relaxed. Great Ayona any advice that you'd have for that? I mean I agree with everything that's been said already try to be authentic be yourself stay calm there is never too much personality in a situation like this when you are too relaxed, let's say you might portray a character of yourself that you shouldn't. But in these situations where there is an interview, you will never be as relaxed as you plan or you should be. It's striking that balance, isn't it? When you sit down, feel free to take a minute, take a sip of water. It's there on the table and just take a minute to relax so that you can put the best version of yourself forward and appear engaged and interested and motivated. I think it's such a, a tricky balance to strike. And yet, if you can, I think it'll help you have the best possible interview. Anybody got anything else they'd want to add? I just want to add one thing about helping you feel relaxed. I think they do give you a list of interviewees or the panel of interviewers before the actual interview. And what I did was I just looked them up, all of them, not really to go and research about them a lot, but just to see those faces so that when you go to the interview, it's not unfamiliar faces that you're seeing. And I think even that little bit of familiarity puts you as a bit more ease than you would otherwise be. 
That's a great idea. I'd forgotten that. They do give you the profile. It kind of panicked me, though, to be honest, because I was thinking, why have they sent these? What am I supposed to do with this information? But I didn't do anything with it. It wasn't required. You didn't need to do any research. So don't panic. Same as well, I didn't research anything because I would for sure panic when I saw like accomplished barristers with all of the things that didn't mean in front of them in my interview. So it depends on whether it will help you or will stress you more. That's part of the skill, I think, of preparing for an interview is knowing what will help you and what is just going to make you feel really panicky. So those are some great pieces of advice. In terms then of being your best advocate, of advocating for yourself and putting your best arguments forward, any tips for that? Obviously, you've applied for the interview, you've written your form, you now have this opportunity with the panel to bring some of that to life. How do you pick out the best examples that you have from your experience So I think with the bar course scholarship interview, and I I assume the GDL scholarship interview as well, they're very focused on the merit criteria. So what I did when preparing for my interview is I looked at the merit criteria and I tried to pick out one or two examples from things that I've done that best met those. And I had them in mind so that when it came to the interview, I identified, well, I think in fact, they actually told me in my interview which criteria they were asking about. And then straight away, I knew which example I was going to give to them. That definitely helped me to feel more confident because I wasn't having to try and rack my brain in the interview to think of what I was going to say. Thanks. Ayona, what do you think? Like Matty said, there are this criteria and what I did, I picked out two or three of those criteria and link them with any experiences I have, anything that could show how I meet those criteria. And I remember I was asked for every single one of the merit questions. So be prepared for all of them. That's another advice I can give. And be ready to have two or three examples from each one, because again, I was asked two examples for the same thing. Great. And CK? I agree with all that's been said. I would just like to add that when you're picking that examples or when you decide this is what best communicates what I'm trying to say, do an exercise where you have a wider pool of examples and then think about each of them and try and see which one of them best demonstrates what you're trying to say. I'm sure a lot of people would have heard about this star technique. So you can use the star technique for to add more structure Because you don't just want to focus a lot on, let's say, what the situation was or what the outcome was, but you also want to show what it is that you actually did. And this has to be the majority part of your answer, because what you actually did is what demonstrates how you, let's say, meet one of those competencies or criteria. I would say exactly the same. I think for me, it was about remembering not to make bare assertions I can do this, I am very good at that. But providing those star examples about how it is that I did that, in what context, what did I actually do, what was the result, and trying to remember that when giving the answers. And it's hard when you're nervous. So the more you practice, the better, because it becomes second nature. The other thing that really helped me is that remembering that the panel 
is there to award the money. They want to give you the money and they tell you how it is that they're going to make their decision. They set out the merit criteria and it's the people who score essentially the highest on the merit criteria that are going to get the awards. So the more you can work with your examples to allow them to tick off those merit criteria, the better the chance of success that you will have. So trying to remember to give the panel the pathway to a decision in your favour. What can you say to them to persuade them? What are the best pieces of evidence you have to demonstrate that you tick those boxes? All of those things will be really helpful. Just to quickly add to that, this year Grayson has also released a specific PDF which tells you about the merit criteria in detail and there is further detail about how exactly is that you're going to be assessed and this is right there just below the merit criteria on the website which mentions about the bar scholarship so I would say definitely go through that six or seven page PDF and read through it carefully because it will give you a lot more detail and will make the process much more accessible which is what the aim of this new information in form of a PDF is. Yeah, I think the merit criteria I can't emphasize enough is so important that you know it like the back of your hand. And you can even, I know in some of my answers, I really obviously used the wording of the merit criteria. So anything you can do to help them give you points, do it. Absolutely. I think that's so key, isn't it? So mapping against those merit criteria, using the words or mirroring the vocabulary in your own answers, those will all really help reinforce what you're saying. Did you get any pushback on the examples that you gave? So did you have any interventions from the panel about what it is that you said? I know I did. Iona, you're smiling. What kind of pushback did you get? I was asked a lot of questions specifically on one example I I gave. They wanted further clarification. That's challenging. And Matty, I saw you laughing. Did I prompt a terrible memory for you? (laughs) I didn't have any specific pushback, to be honest. I think I mentioned at one point that I'd recently started working as a clerk in the family court, which is something I didn't put on my form. And I also didn't tick that I was interested in family law. So they did grill me a little bit on that, why I decided to do that and whether or not I was now interested in family law. And I, I was able to give answers. And they did actually say after that it wasn't an issue that I didn't tick family on the form because they know that we're at an early stage in our career and still developing our interests. But definitely be able and ready to explain why you've chosen to do some specific experiences. Thanks. I would agree with that. I think for me also, one of the key things that I did was to try to identify the weaknesses in my own argument. So if you read back through the examples that you prepare and the star structures that you've used and try and pretend that you are cross-examining on those issues and really ask yourself, what is weak about that example? What's missing? What is potentially shaky about that? And then try and come up with an explanation for why it is. And that really came in useful because I was asked about some of the weaknesses in my application. And I was really glad that I had given it some thought in advance because it meant that I had maybe not an entirely satisfactory answer, but at least I would have some explanation for why, for example, I didn't have much legal experience at that time. Wrapping up then, what do you think 
people listening to the podcast should be taking away in terms of the final takeaway before they go into that interview? If I go around, we'll do a quick fire. If I could start with you, CK, what do you think your top takeaway for listeners is? I think the top takeaway is to be calm, be structured and be precise. While being precise is one of those things they tell you about in the written applications, it's equally important when you're speaking to because you don't want to ramble on when you can say something in a much shorter and precise way. Thanks. And Matty? I'm going to keep my answer very concise. (laughs) Merit criteria. Nice. Iona? Be calm and confident. Excellent. Mine is going to be, I'm afraid, prep. Prepare, prepare, prepare. And if you can, try and find willing or unwilling victims on whom to practice your interview answers. Family members, a compliant pet, anybody that you can find to sit still and listen to you run through those answers will only help you on the day. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks so much to Iona, Matty and CK for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having us. Good luck. Thank you for having us, Nora, and best of luck. I hope our advice and tips on preparing for your bar scholarship interview was helpful. Thanks to Gray's Inn for their support and to the podcast company for producing. Be sure to catch the next episode about life at Gray's Inn where there will be more tips and advice for aspiring scholars and students. Thanks for listening to Raising the Bar. Look forward to catching up next time. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please follow, rate and review on your podcast app. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at AGI Students. AGI Students.